Thomas Parry. Matt Boyle. It works. <laughs> We're managing to get this podcast recorded after three attempts of trying. Yeah. But it's it, all good. It, it, thought, it looks like it might just work this time. Okay. That's good. So, um, yeah, apologies for the uh, very low uh, volume of my voice in the second half of the last episode. No, that's fine. We don't need to get into that, Tom. Anyway, <laughs> it's Tom Matt Attack. Yeah, games. You been playing anything? Games, 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 games. Well, I've I've played one. I mean, it's a particularly good one. I can talk quite passionately about it. But I have to be honest, the weather has been absolutely gorgeous here in Denmark, and so mm-hmm. I I have not played too many video games. Well, it, it's the same here, really. I mean, I can't complain with the weather in the UK either. No, I I mean you're wearing a shirt. It's floral. It looks nice and summery. It is July, after all. Yeah, it's um, feeling the summer vibes. Uh, Yep. Where did we go today? Went to some big indoor shopping centre. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it was very busy. I watched some bicycles um, go zoom, 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 and then it was over. Um, But I don't get this. Why is the Tour de France in Viola? Denmark. I right. So the, the Tour de France is currently in Denmark. Um, slight segue. Um, it started in Copenhagen mm. on Friday. I read essentially, that. what what happens? I believe, and I'm not an expert on the Tour de France, nor even how a bicycle operates. Um, what generally happens, I believe, is they have a small thing at the start of the Tour de France for the people who have qualified for the Tour de France that's kind of like lap setting for Formula One in that they go to a place which is generally in France this year it's in Denmark because it should have been before the pandemic happened and then they delayed it and essentially what happens then is people race and depending on their times and the outcomes of these three days like I said the first day was pretty much all a shell and the second day was all a foon and then today is Baila down to the German border they will dictate where these people are placed in the actual Tour de France which starts in a couple of weeks so it's okay, kind of cool. like it places them these are like preliminary laps to gauge their times they do stuff like this in the Olympics as well yeah But because there have been several Danish winners, I believe actually the favourite this year is also Danish, they are starting it in Denmark as a a kind of a homage to how many great Danish cyclists have existed, is my understanding of it. I mean, probably to generate money and tourism and all the rest of it, all the cynical market employees, but it was interesting. I mean, you know, it, it is a strange thing that I went to see, despite not having really any interest in the Tour de France or cycling, but it was just, well, you know, this is a bit of history, isn't it? You kind of mm. should go see those things, and it was a gorgeous day, so so the bikes go zoom. Yeah, yeah, I, I had this idea of what it would be like, and you just some bike cycle past you for a moment, then that was it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I've 
when I was a kid growing up, like there used to be lots of like rallies in Wales, and we would occasionally go to watch rally racing, and it was pretty much that. You would stand on a corner, you would clap and cheer, mm. and cars would go by very fast, and then you'd go, oh, cool, I guess I'll wait until they lap back again in half an hour. Obviously, with the Tour de France, it isn't like that. They started off in town. They went yeah. from Vila to Yelling, so we watched them in the middle of town go from the harbour and clap and cheered. And then 30 or so minutes later, they came back from Yelling, so you kind of got two opportunities to see the bicycles. Okay, um, cool. So this is where we segue into the Tour de France uh, video game. Yeah, exactly. I've been playing Tour de France on the PlayStation 2. No, I haven't. <laughs> there is one on the PS4, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a couple of Tour de France and cycling games on various systems. I definitely... looked interesting. Pr- I saw um, a live stream of it. Uh, David Earle's been streaming it on his Twitch channel. Yeah? Yeah. What, so is it just is it just you hammering the triggers like you? No, in fact, like you don't really have to do that. You just sort of, you, I think, you hold one button, but then you have to take note of your energy, and you you've got to have some reserve energy for the final uh, sort of burst of speed you'll need to put in at the end. Okay. Uh, so I think you just activate that. I don't think it's one of them games where you have to constantly tap buttons. I kind of wish it was more like. Um, thingy, uh, track and field. I kind of wish right. you had to like. But then these the are quite long races, Matt. You don't want to be doing that for a long while. Do I you? mean, you know, it would it would simulate the Tour de France experience, wouldn't it? I almost said I had a copy of a Tour de France game on the PS2, and I'm just quickly checking my logs. I have one for the Xbox 360. I don't know why I have a Tour de France game. So I imagine it probably came free with a load of other shit I got. But I imagine it's not very easy for you to pop that and have a go on it in your current setup. No, I mean my current setup is my 360 is in a box somewhere. <laughs> so no, not really. <laughs> I was going to say I'll oh, play it, play it for next week, uh, but I would need I would not only need to find the console, but I would need to find the cables, and I think that would be more of an ask. Okay, it's not worth it then. I mean, for this for this segue, like had I played it in time for today and gone like, yeah, I've played this Tour de France game, maybe. <laughs> But I did not, Tom. Let's talk about games you've actually played then. I did. I, I actually did play a game. I mm. came home after oh. this Tour de France. We we are uncharacteristically recording this on a Sunday evening rather than a Sunday morning. It's crazy. Um, I, I've still so, got a cup of tea, though. I know. I've I've got one waiting in the wings. Hopefully it will materialise at some point in this podcast, and I'll give you a big old slurp in the microphone. Mm-hmm. But until then, I'm going to talk about Citizen Sleep. Slurp me, it, Matt. Slurp me. Slurp, yeah. Um... So yeah, I've been playing a game called Citizen Sleeper. I have Citizen Sleeper. You said that very fast. Citizen Sleeper. Citizen Sleeper. Yes. Okay. Um, I had heard very good things about this game um, through listening to various other podcasts, and essentially, what how to describe Citizen Sleeper, other than is it a sleeper hit? A it might well be Tom. It is a very good game. To be fair. Um. You are essentially playing as a a being called a sleeper, as the game's title would suggest. And what essentially that means is you are someone who, from the story of what I've played, I've played about four hours, it seems to be about a six-hour game. A sleeper is someone who has essentially sold their physical body to a corporation to kind of become a robot, like a sentient robot with their their own mind 
in inverted commas, inside this robot in order for them to do manual labour. Why my character has done that hasn't been revealed, the history of them, but that is the vibe. Some people obviously are afraid of these kind of robot-human hybrids. Mm. Other people are looking to track you down because you have run away from the corporation that you signed a contract with. Oh dear, Matthew, I'm looking at this game and I can't imagine enjoying it. No, I I don't think you would, Tom Parry, because this is the thing about it. My tea has just arrived, so as promised. Well, if you sleep, ah, I'm going to have to slurp as well. Hang on, hang on. Uh. Go on, I may run my slurp. This is very disrespectful. Did you like that one? That was a sort of staccato slurp. It was. I mean, (laughs) if anyone wants to remix those slurps and play them back to us, that'd be great to tell them that attack at... um, gmail.com no one replied tom no one sent us an email no because nobody's Anyways, listening <laughs> no people are listening tom we appreciate those who are as well hmm. anyways this game is a lot of text it oh my gosh it looks like a nightmare of reading looks like a nightmare. um and actually everything in between the the reading of the game is also kind of systems management that's yeah. based on dice rolls i like so, the um the aesthetic. Oh, the aesthetic is amazing. The Graphic music design. is very kind of lo-fi electronic music as well. It's very good. The whole vibe of this game is very good. I know it would not be a game for you, Tom Parry, but... There are certain is... people like yourself who do like these sort of games. Well, the thing is, right, it's heavily narrative-driven. And what it has to say about... So far, AIs, the role of potentially like the singularity and man and machine melding, how space colonies could exist and what roles would need to happen within them has been really cool and really interesting. Yeah. I, You know me, I like good sci-fi, and so for me, this is the equivalent of reading a good sci-fi book, yeah, but I'm also sure. playing a game. The game part of that is, as I said, it's very systems-based. Essentially, you start by helping a guy who saves you from a, a scrap heap uh, to scrap other ships. And essentially what that means is you have two options of what you're going to do. Uh, one of them is dangerous because that is the, the higher probability kind of risk-reward. There are risky ones and there are also safe ones. Mm-hmm. You have a limited number of dice that are essentially predetermined. So a six is always 100% guaranteed you will pass, uh, down to a one, which is pretty much like 50-50 chance you're okay. going to f- have a neutral outcome or a negative outcome. So one's, you know, not not that bad. You can still have a good outcome from rolling a one. You can, you can still get an okay outcome, yeah, yeah rather than... It's kind of a a 50-50 split of you doing the task and performing it normally or injuring yourself. Because a lot of the game is focused around meters. Sounds to me, Matthew, as you say this, sorry to interrupt, but uh, it sounds like it could be a board game. Potentially. Hmm. Like, it has... um, Did you play the Thing board game? I did, I did, yeah. Uh, Who goes there? It kind of has a little bit of that, like, slidey scale of survival versus fatigue going with it. Because depending on what you do with your dice rolls essentially determines, like, okay, did I get injured? Mm. Because they lay it out very early in the game that you as a sleeper 
because you've run away from this corporation, they've kind of made forced obsolescence into your body that if you don't get an injection of the essentially this fluid that needs to pump through your body every couple of cycles, which is their equivalent of like turns, uh, you're you will just degrade and die. And so you are trying to earn money and trying to progress the story all the while looking at these meters and going, okay, I'm actually fatigued, which is going to wear my body down quicker. I need to go eat something. I need to balance my credits because not only do I need to make sure that I can afford to eat to lower how quickly I'm going to die... But I also need to be aware that I need a hundred credits by the end of this cycle in order to buy the fluid that's uh-huh. going to let me live and carry on the game. Well, sounds like a very a deep system. Uh, we've yeah, got it here. is, but it it is surpri- Like it is very complicated to describe, but essentially, it's really easy and really playable. Mm. Like I said, these dice rolls are predetermined, so every time you start a new cycle, a turn order kind of goes like this: you wake up, you get. A maximum of five dice if you're in the best possible like condition your body can be. And like one of them might be a one, one of them might be a six, one of them might be a five, one of them might be a four, one of them might be a two. And then you go, right, cool. Where am I going to spend these dice that makes the most sense? And so you might go to an area where there is a safe job like scrapping something off a ship and then going to go, okay, cool, I'm going to use my one dice here because I there's a very low chance of me doing something that's going to hurt me. Whereas I'm going, I really want to progress this story with this character, so I'm going to go to this place where there's a dangerous outcome, but because I know I've got a six, I know it's going to be a guaranteed pass. And so you're kind of going around the ship and you're kind of doing that, and then you're obviously reading a lot in between that. Like I said, you do have to worry about these sliding meters, but generally speaking, it is a very straightforward, very approachable game okay. that unless you just completely are not paying attention to what you have to do in terms of like systems management, yeah, you can generally get through it quite easily and like understand the story and, and play along. While you're doing this, you're looking at static images. You are essentially like there's a 3D render of this spaceship. And that when you are go, yeah, when you're going up and down it, like to the different points on the map, the ship does move. Mm. But when you are engaged in a conversation, or when you are on a like, so for example, like other than salvage, you can start building different parts of this ship. Like you can start expanding this space colony thing you're on. You will see like text and loads of like menus overlaid on. A section of this 3D model that's kind of zoomed in. Mm-hmm. So it is mainly text based, like I said, it is mainly overlays. It's lots of really nicely drawn static character portraits, as you would expect from a kind of visual novel. And it's also to say that this game is made by one person as well, which is pretty incredible. Um, the studio is called Jump Over the Edge, uh, Jump Over the Edge, sorry, not Jump Over the Edge. Um, uh, it's literally a one-person development studio founded by a guy called Gareth Damien Martin, who's British. So has he done um, the illustrations as well? I believe so, yeah. I mean, he is he is described on this bio on the Fellow Traveller, who are the publisher of this game, 
is an award-winning writer, designer, and artist. So I assume that not only has he designed this game, but he's also drawn the characters and written the dialogue, which is very impressive. Yeah, obviously. in a way, it's it, it's really great because he's able to make a video game with his you know considerable skills, but perhaps he isn't like going to be able to make a full 3D game with, with masses of animation, for example. But he can no. nevertheless make a deep, engrossing video game with his... Uh, you know, as I say, considerable skill set, but perhaps, you know, it does open it up a bit, doesn't it, for people who might want to make video games who don't necessarily think they can because they don't have those sort of either modelling skills. Do you know what I mean? Because like, uh, when you yeah. think of video games, you, you think a lot of time animation, 3D models, even 2D, 2D animation and such. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just, just pondering that myself, thinking... You know, probably anyone can make a video game. Well, yeah, I mean, not only thanks to, like, tools like Twine, mm. uh, people can make, well, not games like this, I imagine. I think this is a bit deeper than Twine. But you know what Twine is, right? It's essentially a tool for making visual novels. Right, okay. Like, you, you can make rudimentary visual novels, and you can obviously, like, you can invest time in the art and style and everything else you want to do. But it's the basics of a visual novel in terms of... A classic text adventure is very easy. Branching to make with paths, a basically. Like Twine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you just write the dialogue. You write everything you want to say, and it's like, okay, this is the first dialogue, second, third, fourth paragraph, and then it's like, okay, these are the choices. This is where it goes, and it allows you to really easily map out, like, okay, well, actually, I the player has failed this thing. I wanted to loop back around to here, and everything else is very visual. It's very cool. Mm. And obviously there are game makers. There's even like a game maker now for like Game Boy and NES games. Like there has never been a better time if you wanted to dabble with playing and, and yeah. creating your own video I think, game um, than now, I think. The Playmate handheld console has uh, software uh, with it. It does. It to now allow you to develop your own games. It does, and it's all completely open source. Mm. The amazing thing about the Playmate as well is I've been... Mine's Playdate. on its way. Yeah, I will so. find Playdate. Yeah. I will be able to talk about mine, hopefully not next week because we're not podcasting the week after. Okay. I will hopefully have my Playdate in hand and I will have been able to play the first game on it's it. It's a date, Matt. I can't wait. But it's also got um, like font editors. It's got loads of cool little like. I'd like to tools. see Matt Boyle make a video game with the Playdate or similar, or I, even I make, it, make it a go. visual novel. I could, I could reckon I could make a visual novel. Well, to be fair, I kind of played around with the idea of making a visual novel for the Game Boy way back when, mm. but I didn't end up doing it because I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> Anyways, maybe maybe I will talk about it. I'm, I'm just thinking just that you. those who think, you know, maybe developing a video game is beyond them, there are ways, you know, that you can get into that, you know. Um... Yeah, of course. I mean, it definitely lowers the barrier for entry, but... It is still a lot of work oh, yeah. making a visual yeah. novel with a cohesive story and like an arc. And, and the to game it is still a lot. Exactly, and the game we're talking about now does sound like a, definitely a step above that level. Oh, it yeah. is it is hundred yeah. percent above yeah, yeah, that yeah. level. I mean, um, the developer had previously made another game. I was looking at their Steam profile earlier because the game's twenty percent off on Steam as the time of recording. You're playing it on what console? Uh, I'm playing it on the Nintendo okay. Switch, actually. Um, it's on Switch, PC, Mac, which is nice because you very rare, you always never get games for Mac. It's on the Epic Store as well, but it's on Xbox and Xbox Game Pass. So, Tom Parry, you could theoretically dabble <laughs> with this game, even though I'm not going to tell you you should play it because I honestly don't think it's for you. 
I do think you would find mm. the content interesting, yeah. but I don't know if you would. Is it easy to? You said, you said it's quite straightforward, so actually, it might be quite easy to get into to play. I to understand how yes, to play. Definitely, yeah. it is. It's definitely very easy to play. There's actually a free update apparently coming in July. I'm also reading in the Steam page, which I look forward to playing after I've beaten this main game. Um, yeah, the other game that this developer has made is called In Other Waters, which looks like a very similar, like, overlay, but it looks like a diving game, from what I can see. I'm going to have to check that out. I don't think that is, unfortunately, I don't think that's available on any home console. But And how affordable Citizen is it, Citizen Sleeper? I mean, for Xbox Game Pass, I'm pretty sure it is relatively affordable. It's thirteen euro on Steam. I think I paid about a tenner for it, but I think it was on sale at okay. the time. Let Good me just quickly know. confirm Nintendo Switch Citizen Sleeper. <laughs> but honestly, I I have been really really enjoying my time with it. Like, it has been a while since I've sat in a chair. And in a blink of an eye, like three hours have gone by, and I'm like, shit, I so, didn't even really notice. So we've got a sci-fi visual novel management sim. Yeah, I, th- that is probably the best way to describe yeah, okay. it. It's seventeen ninety nine on Switch. It was on sale recently as part of their the the big Nintendo sale they had a couple of weeks ago, and I think I paid about thirteen and quid for it. So yeah. if you are on the fence about it, maybe hold off or maybe get it on and Steam. Or if you have Xbox yeah, Game Pass, then there. give it a go. And you've there. got hours of gameplay, as you're saying there. Hours. I believe I believe it's about six okay. or seven, but I also think that you could play this game again. I don't know if I want hmm. to though. Because I I think my character's arc through this game has been quite interesting. And I think there are a few things that I did that I was like, oh, shit, I should have done this first. Maybe I'll want to experience that, but I'm not sure how different the outcome will Mm. be yet based on those things. Cool. There we have it. But honestly, incredibly, incredibly enjoyable game so far. I look forward to playing more of it. I've actually got the Switch on charge to my right. So as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to jump back in. What about you, Tom? Been playing anything? Been buying anything? Well, you know I mentioned the other week I'd, I was collecting Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive games. Perhaps I mentioned... Yes. Uh... We, we talked about it oh, in okay, good okay. Life, Tom, for about at least 20 minutes. Yes, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sort of, sort of uh, winding that down now, I would say. I've got mostly everything. Like, for example, I bought the collector's edition of Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2 on the PS3 the other day, which comes with a comic book and a soundtrack. I... Does it come with a statue of uh, No, but I already have from when the game came out, Ninja Gaiden 3, the statue. I bought that. I remember you having mm. a statue, but I assumed there were more statues. Uh, then, Unlike Pokemon, you need to As far them. as I know, there wasn't any other special editions, but I could be wrong. If there are, I don't want to know about them because I, I want to move on. <laughs> Oh, I'll find them um, for you, Tom. Don't I worry. did get a version of Dead or Alive 2 for the Dreamcast that I've never had. It's the normal first release of Dead or Alive uh, 2. Uh, the more common one is the limited edition, which isn't limited edition. <laughs> it, it's no. the one with uh, uh, Kasumi and uh, Ayani on the front. Uh, well, this one has Kasumi, Ayani, and um, Leifang on the front. 
and this is okay. the slightly more difficult to come by first release of the game. So I've, I've I finally managed to add that to the collection at a relatively okay. cheap price. And it is interesting because I've been playing such a lot of Dead Alive uh, 2 Ultimate recently to go back to Dead Alive on the Dreamcast. And still, you know, it's a good looking game. But um, yeah. the way to play it, I think, nowadays is Ultimate. I think Ultimate is just beautiful. Playing that on the Xbox Series S with uh, HDR and crisp graphics is just beautiful. It's a bit of an unfair contest, though, isn't it? Let's well, it's a bit, but the generational gap. You know, it was a game designed for the original Xbox. It wasn't, you know, it does look considerably better on the Series S than, you know, it did on, on the original Xbox even. So, yeah, that's a cool thing about it. But in terms of collecting, I've also collected the, uh, picked up the guide for Dead or Alive 2 for the Dreamcast. Because it's right. nice to have these these things. In fact, I found the guide for Ultimate that I've got. I've got a Japanese guide for Ultimate. I found that in, indispensable because um, when you, for unlocking the costumes in Dead or Alive 2 Ultimate, you need to know what difficulty level to play at to unlock the costumes. For example, oh, the no. first seven for a lot of the characters, uh, you can play through it on easy. The next few uh, costumes you need to play on normal and then the next few on hard. Depending on the character. Oh, it's one yeah, of the not games. all characters yeah. are the same amount of costumes. Uh, so it differs between each character how many times you can play at one difficulty level in order to unlock a costume. So having the book, actually, I know there's the internet as well, but the book, I could just see the costume, flip to the right page, and you know, just sort of work out my strategy. I now have every costume you can get through story mode for every character in Dead or Alive 2 Ultimate. Good. One achievement. Uh, well, you know, you don't actually get an achievement for it <laughs> because uh, original Xbox games don't have achievements on uh, the yeah. new consoles. I, I, talked to, I talked about this with someone the other day about that they didn't like playing games on the Switch because they don't give you that little achievement unlock. I was like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way in a game. I'll okay, talk about okay. In a um, but I feel quite happy with that. I mean, it's taken about 15 hours to do that. Um, I've repeatedly played the story mode. It's lucky I enjoy the game as much as I do to do that. I've done it over a period of time, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah. now I'm working through uh, Hitomi and Bayman and even Tengu, the, the, the villain in the game, uh, unlocking their costumes yeah. now. So Hitomi's probably got the most, and Bayman and Tengu. So you have to play through time attack mode to get their costumes because, of course, they don't have a story mode because they weren't playable in the original Dead or Alive 2. Yeah. Oh, there we go. But, despite all that, uh, I've not just been playing Dead or Alive 2. I played quite a bit of Sonic Mania. Not Sonic Mania. I thought you were going to say, I've also played Dead oh, or Alive no, sorry. 3. Sorry, I made a total mess there. I haven't been playing Sonic Mania at all. I've been playing Sonic Origins still. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, remember last time I, I talked a little bit about it, and I said there weren't any issues with the game as far as I could see. Yeah, you were quite you were yeah. quite positive. I was quite interested to hear that because I had heard nothing but negative things. Well, on the internet. everything's been blown out of proportion. First of all, because the, the only well, thing sure. that has irritated me about the game is a bug that's in Sonic Two. Whereas, if you play as on single player with Sonic and Tails together, uh, Tails will get stuck and you'll constantly hear him jumping. Whereas in the original Sonic Two, he if he if he got uh, behind you basically and you know 
He would just sort of yeah. uh, spawn next to you, wouldn't he? He'd fly in and he'd he'd be there. Where unfortunately, because yeah. these games have been rebuilt, uh, an error has occurred where Tails doesn't appear next to you if he gets like behind. He he gets stuck on an object and continues to jump, and it is very irritating. But luckily. I yeah, I don't imagine. particularly like playing with Tails on screen because he just messes up all the special stages. So uh, <laughs> for me, it's not a big deal. But saying that, if you want to do that, you know, you're getting a lesser experience. Whereas everything else in the game, I think is fantastic. And you get more than you ever have out of any of these games. So, yeah, it, it, it's a slight thing. It's the only thing that's really bothered me about them. And I saw yeah. it had been patched the other day, uh, but that hasn't been fixed. I don't know what's been patched, but that wasn't one of the fixes. Uh, okay. That really needs to be fixed. Uh, but it's up to yeah. you whether that's, that's a game breaker or not. It's a slight issue with Sonic 2 if you've got Tails with you in single player. Okay. Otherwise, I've been having the, the interesting experience of playing through Sonic 3 and Knuckles in this case as Knuckles from the beginning, which I don't think I've ever done before. So that's been uh, quite the experience. I think that was the only way I've ever played that game because when I borrowed it from my cousin, I got Sonic and Knuckles, and I was just like, oh, I can plug mm. games into this, isn't this amazing? Um, so so I you did. started as Knuckles? I started yeah. as Knuckles. I was wondering how that was yeah. going to play out because Knuckles is in cutscenes in Sonic 3. But he's yes. fighting the robots as he would fight in um, Sonic and Knuckles, the Eggman mm -hmm. robots, uh, from the very beginning of Sonic 3. So I will say something yeah. about the new music in the levels. The quality doesn't sound as good as the rest of the soundtrack. It sounds a little bit muffled compared to, not terrible by any means, but the, the level um, are lower. You know, They don't sound as vibrant, the actual music tracks that they've replaced the old music with. And it only really appears yeah. later on in the game, so you get up to Carnival Night, and then you start hearing these tracks you might never have heard before, because these are the prototype tracks, which were uh, created again in MIDI for the PC release of uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. But here they're yeah. sort of... They don't sound... Because I've heard the original version of these prototype music. They don't sound exactly like that. They sound a, a bit of a downgraded version of that, it's not terrible by any means, but the quality, you can definitely hear the difference between those tracks and the rest of the soundtrack. I guess it is not as satisfying as the maybe, maybe yeah. not Michael Jackson. It's fine. It, it sort yeah. of sounds like generic platform music for the most part. It's, it's probably in keeping with the rest of the soundtrack. It doesn't feel out of place when you move from... you know, What level is it? Hidden Palace? No, not Hidden Palace. What's the one? Marble Garden? Oh, you're, you're asking know. me as if I am the expert on Sonic on it's this podcast. That, it's that one with the um, that falls apart as you play through the level. Uh, something crumble and there's drill uh, enemies. Oh, no. you, it's like you're speaking Spanish to me, Tom. You know that I have no encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of Sonic. If you're talking Mario levels, oh, I'm sorry. Well, you, but not you know, it's case. still an enjoyable game, but 
Sonic 3, but I did find there was an annoying bit in that Carnival Night Zone. It's it's the first, it's the only boss, I think, on that stage. And I couldn't work out how to beat it for the longest time. Probably because I haven't played Sonic 3 as much as I've played, say, Sonic 2. So uh, that caused me immense frustration this morning. I was redoing a section over and over again. Because when you start by it, you start by um, a checkpoint and you might not have any rings, okay? So you have to backtrack through yeah. an annoying bit of platforming to actually get some rings. So every time you die, which I was doing over and over again, I was having to backtrack to get three rings. And in that, in the process of doing that, I was dying again and again and again. <laughs> and I thought, what what was wrong wrong with me? Because when I worked out actually how to beat the boss, it was like, ah, oh, this is actually hard. Uh, so yeah, at the moment, I was playing it quite early in the morning. I wasn't quite awake. I was trying to stream it actually, and I just kind of uh, stopped the stream. And I was like, because I was getting so frustrated with the game that, uh, yeah. Wow. But otherwise, great times with Sonic Origins. <laughs> no, no, really great. I've been okay. really enjoying playing through Sonic 3 and Knuckles again. And this is. I actually think Sonic and Knuckles is better than Sonic 3. I think there's, there's more of a flow. I, I hold that opinion very highly. Yeah. I have, so yeah, the reason I cannot tell you much about Sonic 3 is I pretty much ended up taking the cartridge out of Sonic and Knuckles and just playing Sonic yeah, and Knuckles. because you enjoyed it more. Because I enjoy it more. And like, if, actually, if, I know obviously Sonic 2 is also a very good game, but if I, if I do so go, hmm, I'm going to play a Sonic game, it's generally Sonic and Knuckles. I, know the I, best, I, I do think. really recommend the Origins Collection. I think it's a great way to play these games. I will pick it up when it is inevitably on sale. Well, you, you, yeah, you should. Um, another game was another Sega game that I played, uh, and it was House of the Dead Remake. I bet you're interested Ooh. to hear about this. Is that any good? Yeah, so I am, I'd held yeah, off 100%. getting it until they added move support. Because I was like, playing with the controller, even with the, a, what are they called, DualShock 4, where you can use the controller itself as a motion controller. I thought, yeah. well, the move remote's got to be better, hasn't it? So I waited, and now they have introduced that, and the game was also on sale for down from £20 to £16. So it's still not a cheap cheap game, especially for an arcade no. game. Uh, but the seven people who have, still have a working move remote can now play House of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, and uh, the best way, I, w I first I thought, oh, put it in my PlayStation Move gun accessory, right? Ah, oh, that's going to feel really good. Well, yeah. reloading's much better by pressing X rather than shooting off screen. Because you want to uh, okay. sort of keep your gun in the centre of the screen because of the way it moves. That's not House of the Dead for me, though. Yeah. You have to aim off screen. Yeah. Aim down. So the problem is sometimes when you come back to the screen, it takes a moment to register where you are again. Oh, I, I feel okay. that way. I felt that there's, there's been moments where it's sort of lost its calibration, um, especially when using it in the gun thing and having when you go off screen quite a lot. So I do, and also the yeah. trigger on that, particularly official Sony move uh, ray gun type thing, it's, it's horribly sort yeah. of weak and f feeble. You know, when you... Did you not put it in the weird AK-47? Oh, no, not the big one. No, I haven't got that here. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, using the little okay. guns. And it just doesn't feel satisfying to pull that tiny little trigger. Much better is just yeah. holding the move remote as you would normally and using X on the front of the controller to reload. That works a lot better. But okay. I found it like you don't get a lot of ammo. You know, you only have to do like five shots and then you have to reload, which is normal for these type of games, isn't yeah, that's, it? Yeah, that's how but the day. I found yeah. that really, at first, difficult to get used to. It, House of the Dead is a very, very, very mm. frantic game. You are, you are essentially, you are just spraying your bullets and quickly aiming off screen to reload. Yeah. Like it is very hard. It is a game that is meant to sap money out of you. It has not got the because it is just frantic and nonstop. It hasn't got the same kind of like breaks to it that something like a time crisis had they kind of fixed it in the later ones like when you play house of the dead 4 when you actually can change mm-hmm. guns to like shotgun and machine gun and all this kind of stuff it actually becomes a much easier game but my memories of beating those first two games are very frantic same with vampire night actually it's got the same feel to it too i didn't find it quite as frantic i was trying to play i found the best way to play it was in a very relaxed position where i had my sort of um elbow on my lap and sort of holding the move remote you know down by my legs basically and just doing as tiny movements as i could to shoot the uh, enemies because after you're holding something especially when it's holding the gun uh, it hurts your arm quite a lot, and you're yeah. having to be extra careful not to, you know, to keep control over your your, your reticle here. Yeah. Because the way the move, once you go off side of the TV, it's like it's gone. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean that's the move controller, isn't it? Also, yeah. like you have the ability to press X to reload, Which, whereas if you were yeah, in an arcade, you'd be like, buff, 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 buff. Quick point off. Bah, 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 I will bah, bah, say, I got used off. to it after a while and really enjoyed yeah. playing it, actually. And I think if I go back yeah. to it now, I'd have a much smoother experience. But I had that yeah, a rhythm to it. adjustment period. Uh, so it's not perfect, but I really like the facelift they give in the game. I like being able to shoot flesh off the enemies, you know, yeah. um, which looks really cool. I... I th- would recommend it. I I wonder if it's quite it's quite pricey, full price, twenty quid though. It's, it sounds like the thing I would want out of it is the moves to be seamless, and it doesn't sound like the move controllers are. I don't think it, it's not perfect. It's I've heard some people say even the uh, switch feels a little bit more responsive. Yeah. Uh, but then again, holding the small switch uh, controllers as opposed to the move remote, I don't know how much I'd like that. Also, I imagine the game's uh, visuals are better on the PlayStation 4, and I imagine the game probably runs better on PlayStation 4 than it does on yeah. on, on Switch. So I think I made the right choice. I would say the playing the move remote isn't bad, but it could be a little bit better than it is. Fair enough. That Do you be... know if this actually got an arcade release? Like, is there a physical oh, cabinet? Well, that would I be great. I, I would prefer play to it. play it in an arcade with a real light gun, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it has. It should do, shouldn't it? I think it's a missed opportunity if it hasn't. I hope it does. Like, I admittedly, it has been a while since I've been to an arcade. Mm. But next time I go to London, maybe I'll go check um, on the in the one around Oxford Street. Okay, yeah, I'll come with you if you if. if cool. Yeah. Let's do that. I would love to play this in an actual arcade. Yeah, it's not bad uh, at all. But is it worth twenty quid? Probably not. Is it worth sixteen quid? More, more like it. 
I, I prefer to pay okay. a little bit less than 16 quid, but yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's, yeah. Fair enough. That's how I feel about House of the Dead remake. Speaking about paying too much for stuff, um, I haven't actually played any other games this month. Well, actually, yeah. Well, this I, month, we're only two days into July. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Three days, to say I haven't played any games this month. I played a lot more Neon White. Um, I, again, I'm not going to talk about that game a lot on this podcast because I did last time. That game is very enjoyable. It has such a good pick up and play and just one more run hook to it mm. that honestly is one of the best games I've played in a long while. Mm-hmm. I I heartily recommend Tom Parry. You check out Neon okay. White. Honestly, it's real, real and it's good. It's only on Switch and PC. It's only on Switch and PC right, at the okay. moment, yeah. So I Only digital, by the way, is it? It is only <sighs> digital, yeah. There's no physical oh, release yeah. at the moment. I wouldn't mind Which, a physical you know. because of the problem I have with oh, I have to buy another memory card for my Switch. Oh, it's I keep the amount of stuff. It's not that big a game. The amount of stuff I've archived lately. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, so I actually picked up something when I was in Bilka, the Danish retailer, the other day because they had a load of stuff that was thrown in a discount bin. It's a game that's held its value. It's a game I've wanted to play since it came out on the 3DS, and so I picked it up because it was only literally seven quid. Um, is Metopia? That was just more of an impulse buy ah. of me seeing it and going, "Oh, cool! I would like to try this." Yeah. And this seems like an affordable price to try this game. Well, that I'm what sure I do I won't play very anytime much. I go in Argos, I type in 3DS into the computers yeah. in Argos because for a while Argos were really selling them cheap 3DS games. I imagine yeah. you got Metopia at a good. Price. I did, the, and the Switch version. No, that's less. a Switch. Oh, sorry. Like I said, there's a Switch yeah, version. Seven, seven quid for the Switch version. Yeah, they re-released the game. Ah, oh, I missed that. So I was, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people did. Um, but it is a game that has retained its value. Um, other games that have retained their value, Tom Parry, that I kind of bought because it had been brought to my attention as I'm bringing it to your attention mm. and that of our listeners. Mm-hmm. That um, Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch um, is starting to go for an ungodly amount secondhand already. Right. Um, so I have friends who have wanted to play this game. I had said, hey, maybe it's in the Switch sale. That just happened. It wasn't. Um, pre-owned copies, European ones, especially UK ones, starting to go for about 40, 50 quid, which is actually more than it ever retailed for. Right. Yeah, it doesn't surprise um, me though. Fire Emblem games have a history of this. Don't they? they do. They do definitely have a history of raising in price. But for a game that is available digitally and a game that is theoretically still, you are still able to buy new copies of it. It seems like that the game's out of print at the moment. And as the the fever around Fire Emblem is kicking up because the new um, Musha game that's just come out, supposedly very very good. I think for some reason, um, Fire Emblem prices are on the rise, and so I saw a second-hand copy for about thirty-two quid mm-hmm. um, in a Danish shop here, and I was like, oh, "I, I should prob. This is. I think this is one of those moments where I'm going to look at this game and go, no, I'm not going to pay thirty-two quid for a second-hand one. I'm sure I can buy a new one cheaper, and then completely miss out on this game, What's it which called is kind of what happened. Three, three houses." Yeah. 
Looking on eBay, American copies of the game seem to be about the £30 mark to get a pre-owned one. European copies seem to be about 40 to 50 as I've said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you see a cheap copy of Three Houses... I won't buy it. Maybe, maybe pick it up. Yeah, no, I know that, but, like, I bought... It's expensive, I buying, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, no, I I mean, as you say, Fire Emblem games do have a history of being expensive. But much like I scoffed when I paid like 50 quid for the GameCube one, going like, oh, come on, really? This is ridiculously expensive. That GameCube game is now worth about 200 oh, quid last time I checked. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm getting confused because there's three hopes and three houses. Yes. What What is. is three hopes? Was that older? Three Hopes is the new Gacha game, which is just that's out. confusing. That they're so similar. It is, but I mean, it's because they're spiritual successors. It's um, it's a sp- it's a Gacha style, sp- uh, not Gacha. It's a Musha style spin off of Three Houses, so it is continuing that story. Yeah, honestly, Tom, I just actually I just googled to see how much Path of Radiance. People are trying to sell copies of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance to the GameCube now for like four hundred quid. Mm. Yeah. How much is the? I'm just gonna quickly look. Well, I think you did the right thing there. It's a game you wanted to get. It sounds like you paid a good price for it. Yeah, I mean, Fire Emblem is a weird series. We've talked about this time and time again on the podcast. Like, I really love the story. I really love the art style. I like the characters. I'm terrible at Mm. them. I'm really, really, really bad at that, like, Famicom Wars mm. style, like, rock, paper, scissors, tactics game. Fortunately, these versions of the game you can turn Puna Death off and everything else, so I don't have the same frustrations I had way back when on this podcast with Shadow Dragon, which is the DS remake of the first right. game. Fucking hell, people are selling copies of Shadow Dragon for 200 quid now. Um, it is... God, man, what the fuck happened? Why didn't they just reprint these games? Why are they so expensive? Um, Yeah, so I, I picked it up because I was just like, well, I think I'm going to regret not buying mm. this. And I have heard that this game has a fantastic story and it's definitely worth playing. So I've got it. I picked it up. I will probably play it, I think, over the summer vacation cool. and just see. And Enjoy. Just Let, let's hear what it's, what it's about. Well, I can oh, guess what I it's about, but what it's like. <laughs> I I imagine it's going to be a rock paper scissors style tactics game. But and it's about see. three houses. It is. Well, that's that's the intriguing. One made thing, of sticks. That... One made of bricks. <laughs> bricks and one made what? of yeah, straw. That's it, straw. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. I. It seems like. And from what I remember, it's been a long time since I've actually had a decent conversation with this game. I believe the. It's kind of like a Pokemon style. Like you choose which house you're in. And depending on what house you choose, gives you access to different characters right. and like different v- ways of viewing the same story. I think you can choose one of two houses to start okay. with, and then the new game plus is the third house. I can't remember; it's been a while. Don't quote me on that. I just know it's supposed to be a very good game. Okay, cool. That's wonderful. That might have been the, that might have been the three DS one. I think the three DS one had like a third campaign. Shh. Well, Matt, I have a bit of disappointing news. I haven't got around to playing uh, It Takes Two with Claire yet. Uh, I have downloaded it, however. Ooh. I had to delete some stuff off my uh, Series S's uh, minuscule hard drive for it. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's ready to go, so I will hopefully play it for Good. next time. 
next time we play it, I, I'm very curious because we put it on for half an hour again. We haven't really had time to play many games, like I said, because it's been good. And we were like, oh, we should play a bit more of this. It turns out the reason that my wife was struggling with it was actually a faulty PlayStation 4 controller. <gasps> for some reason, one of my PlayStation 4 controllers has started, the left analog stick on it has started to die. The input huh. of it has terrible, terrible, like, I can't even describe how it, how, how it's fucked, because I've never seen this in a controller before. It's not that the input doesn't register. It's that the input only registers on certain axes, right. like at fixed right. degrees. Okay. And I've no, never had no, this on my controller before. Um, so, yeah, we, we played it a little bit. She found it a bit easier, Good. but... It it's is still, still something that we've not clamoured right. to go it's back. It's still a little to. tricky for the non-gamer. I I would yeah. say so. I did talk to her about it to get her opinions after me like venting at it. I still think the story is really clunky. I still think that it's not a great. I don't think it's game of the year. Put it that way. I've not seen anything really that innovative about it. Maybe you can play. But she was just like, "Oh, do you... House of the Dead together." <laughs> carry on I mean to be fair if we're going to play anything I think because she said it like three times to me now she's like didn't you buy a Kirby game that we could play co-op and I'm like yeah let's go play this isn't it limited to what the second choice. player can do though in that Kirby game no you can you have to unlock the ability to play two player right. but once you have that second player you can have two players playing at right. the same time they're not they can't obviously absorb powers the same way Kirby can, but they can still Oh okay, cool. So it's not as limited as I thought kind of it was. Stuff. It's not like Mario Galaxy where one of you just points No, at... it's not what you're playing as a hat. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Okay, that's cool. And Matt, I was wondering what are your thoughts on the PlayStation Plus service, the updated service it's launched recently. <sighs> so I haven't No, done neither it have I. Yeah. And I'm not going to um, do it. But Right. So, Tom Parry, oh, it's excellent value for money. You get to play N64 games. Isn't isn't going to upgrade to, for some free No, because I have far more than that. There's, there's nothing there. I've looked through the games there. There's nothing I'm dying to play. I have too many PlayStation 4 games to play anyway. So, I've got all the big releases. I've just got them to one side to play when I'm not playing Dead or Alive or Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get you. This is why I haven't done it. And to be fair, I it's not like I'd really looked into. I've it got all them Game Pass games it. as well. It's like it's just overkill for me personally. And the classic games, I own a lot of them anyway. You know, yeah, yeah it's same. like I own Ape Escape. <laughs> um, funnily enough, though, I was able to download Resident Evil Director's Cut for free. Weird. And I wonder if that's because I did have it on the PS3, the PS1 version Resident Evil Director's Cut. Maybe. I did see that um, my buddy Sean was like, oh, I'm going to upgrade, and then realised he had Rogue Galaxy and could download that. I think maybe there is something of, you know, if you do physically own a licence for this game, then technically they should let you play it. Yeah, I think sure. that is must be happening, because I asked uh, my friend Gareth about, was he able to uh, download Resident Evil? And he says no. So I was like, Okay, mm. cool. And they do look better. I was playing a bit Resident Evil Director's Cut, and the character models are much higher resolution than they were originally. And it's got yeah. this rewind function, it's got save states, so it seems like quite a friendly way to play those games. That would be very For Resident Evil, for Resident yeah. Evil yeah, but still, I, yeah. I forgot to uh, use them, 
and uh, died at the beginning. The of times I have flubbed a shotgun blast to oh, the dog dogs, and then gone, no, I have they're no ammo. the first enemies you have is... to kill. Yeah. The dogs. Mm-hmm. And this... You can bolt. You can run down that corridor. Oh, yeah. It is possible. Okay, I have done enough. it several times. But generally speaking, the risk-reward factor is very high on the side of risk. You're either going to come out of that corridor with red Aiming at those die. dogs is a pain in the arse. Oh, I fucking hate yeah. it. I... That's like, a game oh, that really I, I shows its age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely yeah. does. But, like, I remember playing that game at the time being shit scared. Same oh, sure, for its time. Like, yeah, incredible. Um, I Honestly, like, I had I had a thing when I was a kid where I used to play it over my mate Craig's house. And between where he and I lived, I would walk home in the dark in the winter after going to his house. And I always used to run down this small alleyway that we lived. Like it was like between where I had to go from like my neighbourhood mm. to his neighbourhood because it was there was a there was a Rottweiler on the other side of it, and he would mm. bark, and I was always afraid that he was going to burst through the fence like the dogs. Yeah, so when games cross over into reality and long-standing yeah. traumas yeah. there. Cool. Okay, so you you think you might um, spend some cash and upgrade your membership? I don't know. Um, so I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you in that I feel that I own a lot of those games already, which is kind mm. of one of the things that's stopping me doing it. And also, to be honest, like the games that I don't have that I would want access to, things like Returnal, I can just oh, buy the library. They're not that expensive. You can get things from the library as well, can't you? Exactly. I mean, like, I've got already got Platinum in Returnal. They are releasing DLC for it. I would like to play that. Mm. I'm not so that bothered. It's 60 um, quid for your regular membership, I think, in the UK. Yeah. This is... Yeah. Is it 80 quid for the extra and then 100 quid for the uh, premium? That seems really steep or some... if that's the case. I haven't really explored the price. Because it, it shows up when you go yeah. on your PlayStation. It'll tell you how much it'll cost you to convert the rest of your um, membership. Because you say you've, yeah. you're on regular membership and you've got so many days left, you can convert that for a price into the new membership. Yeah. And, of course, that looks great because that's not a lot of money usually, in order to access. And then underneath it does show you how much it's going to cost you after that point for its next renewal. And I know the top tier is £100 for the year. Yes, 900 kroner here in Denmark, which is wild to me. Essential is 450, which is like yeah, about 50, Well, that's the regular. Quid. And then yeah. 750 for extra. Extra's where, where the bulk of it is, though. I mean, the, the £100 one is just giving you access to the classic games. Yeah, but which, from what I hear, are like the PAL versions which also. Which apparently will change. I heard something on Digital Foundry about that, that um, they're going to offer regional variants of them eventually. That would be yeah. kind of cool. Uh, I would like I would like to play some through like Wild Arms. Okay, well, if there's the games you want to play there, then it's it's probably good value for money. I mean, it's £40 more than your regular membership in the UK, so for a year they would they would need to start including like odd playstation games that we didn't get 
I would need like the wild arms two through five or, you know, just weird shit. Because like right now I look at it and I'm like, these are either games mm. I own or could own quite easily, yeah. like without having to pay this extra. Sure, you fee. want those expensive really games on play... there, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I really, really don't like other than my my brief foray into Fortnite. I really don't play that much mm. online anymore. So, like, as a service, I wonder how many people will do the same thing that I know a lot of people did with Netflix. Netflix raised the subscription model. People were like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm paying for Netflix. Cancel. I wonder how many people will do the same thing with PlayStation Plus. I mean, I feel like they had to do it to to compete with Microsoft and the Game Pass. Um, and so I feel like they had to as well, but they were very clear in coming out and saying that like their business model and how they make games wouldn't work in a game pass style ecosystem. If they were to put Horizon Forbidden West in there, as not as like a oh you can play six hours of it. I yeah, but Sony have come out and said this: that the big games they're not going to put on day on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying, and like I I can't understand. How Microsoft can do that if Sony can't? I mean, I I know how Microsoft can do it. It's because Microsoft is a considerably more financially mm. endowed company. But still, feels yeah. feels very and odd to do this. Also, weird from my step. understanding, anything PS3 in the classics um, option is um, cloud based as opposed yeah it's streamed. Yeah, uh, it is. So yeah. I don't know how well that's going to work on a standard internet connection. If you have a particularly fast one for that, because I've never tried. I don't think I've ever tried streaming a game to play. Have you, Matt? I have. I cannot. I mean, like, I've tried a couple of things. Like, my mate Tom in university even had, like... Oh, well, I do remember that on live because uh, me and my friend Mike, fellow Blast Processor, uh, we did try that at the time. It was okay. It it, it wasn't as bad as I think we all thought it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I did still manage to chainsaw a person mm. in Gears of War. No. It wasn't that bad. Um, it, I don't know. Like I, I have had mixed results with that. I, I think games that require precise inputs don't generally work in my no. experience. But I, again, I haven't really played that much. I, I, I've just dabbled here and there. Like one of my friends had access. One of the guys in work had access to that. Um, what eventually became Stadia, where you could stream Assassin's Creed games through Amazon at one point to mm. play Valhalla, and that seemed okay as a first-person experience. It wasn't that much lag, and it kind of yeah. I'd be interested. I'd I'd, I'd be curious to try it, but I think I'd be very dubious it would work well on my internet connection. Uh, yeah, but the rest of the games you download, don't you? None of the other games are uh, yeah. streaming. Okay. Well, there you go. No, it's just the PS3 ones because of how weird the PS3 mm, architecture yeah, is. the same so. thing. So let us know if you do try it. Out. It would have they would have to have more ex- exclusive, expensive games for me okay, to yeah. do it. And I'm just not considering it really. If they started putting all like weird shit on there, like all the net Yahtzee <laughs> PS1 games and stuff, maybe. But I honestly, I can't. I cannot even think of like 
rare expensive ps1 games that are sony developed exclusively that i'm like oh man yeah if they put that on there save me a couple of i think it's very much a case of let's see how it evolves let's see if it becomes a better option for gamers like ourselves to uh, games gamers like, like you and me and maybe you too um, listener it... maybe uh you're similar to us you do listen to this podcast so you're invited along to this conversation. Let, let us know. Give us a like send us a tweet. Baby. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of PlayStation's yeah. uh, Plus's new offerings. And if you're if you've subscribed already or you're planning on subscribing, uh, do let us know. Love to hear from you. And you can do that in a variety <laughs> of places, such as on Twitter at TMA Cast at Game Boy for me at Tom Perry Eleven for him on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom Attack. On theblastprocess.com, on the tomamattack.com forward slash podcast down in the comments section. You can do those things. You can also listen to us in a variety of places, um, as you're doing right now, um, via iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. We will also be, Tom Parry, you'll be happy to know because they sent me an email on Amazon. Oh, wow. Not yet. I Top cannot confirm it, but we will be... The Bezos has reached out to us and said, you know what, I want that quality Watch out, Amazon. Uh, not Amazon. Apple. <laughs> Watch out, Apple. Exactly. We're coming for you. <laughs> exactly. This is how it goes. We're not Apple. If you if you want us to be exclusive to you and you want to sponsor this podcast, just let us know. We'll do that as well. It's all right. Oh, um, I got a anyway, bit of M- M- what's that AMSR there from Matt as he whispered in my ears. Do you wanna play a video Ooh. game? Do you want me to do you wanna plug in the PlayStation? Plug in the PlayStation. Oh, clicking those buttons. I haven't got any buttons to click. I can't do it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway, Tom, as always, it has been a pleasure talking it's to you. Listener. Great chatting to Thank you, you Matt. for listening. Um we will be back not next week, um, but no, probably the sorry. week after because Yes, hopefully. We're actually being upfront with these things and realizing that we can't do it. Yeah. Good. Okay. There you well, go. Tom, I'll see you in a week. I will play some more It Takes Two. I will probably finish uh, Citizen Sleeper and let you know what I feel about that. And I'll play some great. album. I'll... Three Houses. I'll maybe complete Sonic 3 Knuckles. So maybe you go. play some Dead or Alive 3. <laughs> Unlock some <laughs> yeah. costumes. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for podcasting with me as always, mate. Thank you very much out there, listeners, for listening. And be sure, as always, to game on. Game on. Game on.